Hello, welcome to Workplace Wake Up. I'm Jen Shaw. Every week, I spend about 15 minutes covering legal developments, introducing you to interesting guests, and providing some entertainment to start your workday. I'm so glad you're joining us for the podcast today. We are talking about pay scales. So as some of you hopefully are aware, California has some pretty strict pay transparency laws on the books. One of them became effective January 1 of this year. It's um, was referred to as Senate Bill 1162, and it focuses on pay scales and pay data reporting to the Civil Rights Department here in California. So we're going to talk about those issues a little bit here today. The first thing I want to make sure you know is that the California Department of Industrial Relations, which is where the Labor Commissioner and the Workers' Compensation Appeals Board rest, they've issued some FAQs on the new law. So the first thing that I want you to think about if you're a practitioner who needs to make sure that you are complying with SB 1162 is you've got to think about pay scales. And there are different rules for current employees um, who request their pay scale and applicants who are looking at wanting to apply for a job. So any employer who has 15 or more employees must post a pay scale with every job announcement. So what a lot of folks have been doing, and there's been a lot about this in the press, well, I'm just going to do a pay scale from zero to a million dollars, and that way I'm covering myself. Well, unfortunately, that doesn't work with the law because SB 1162 says you have to use a pay scale that is reasonably related, if you will, to what you're going to pay that applicant for the job. So you got to have some sense of what you're paying them. Now, obviously, this gets back to making sure you have good job descriptions, making sure that you are thinking through how you classify employees so that you're able to make a distinction between somebody who's making, let's say, $75,000 a year and someone who's making $100,000 a year. So in these job postings, you need to talk about the compensation. What is their pay going to be? Now, some of the new FAQs from the Department of Industrial Relations, which is available on their website at www.dir.ca.gov, they talk about, well, when we are determining a pay scale, what do we include? Well, you don't include bonuses or tips or other benefits. So you're allowed to do that. Obviously, it may help with recruitment efforts. By the way, this is FAQ number 32 in the document. But you really just have to mention the salary or the hourly wage and any piece rate or commission wages. So those have to be included as well. That is FAQ number 33. So if you're paying anyone on a piece rate or commission basis, you need to make sure you do that. And remember, the FAQs define pay scale in question 31 as the salary or hourly wage the employer reasonably expects to pay for a position. Now, if you're not going to pay a range, for example, if you're just going to pay $18 an hour or $42 a piece, that's fine. 
you can provide that set hourly rate or that set piece rate. You don't have to have a range if there isn't a range. But what you do need to make sure of, obviously, is that whatever you advertise that range to be, that you are actually hiring the person in that range. Now, what happens if you get this most amazing, stupendous candidate and you decide you're going to pay them outside of the range? That's fine. You can do that. That's not unlawful. Of course, that's going to affect the range you have for your current employees at that point. And your future posting is going to need to reflect if you hire anyone else in that position or that position, that person leaves the position, your future posting is going to have to reflect that that higher compensation. So what this means, if you haven't figured this out already, it's, it's a lot of work. There's a lot that goes into making sure your pay scales are appropriate, making sure that you update them when you should, making sure the job titles are accurate. So there's a lot that is required here. Now, remember, it's only if you have 15 or more employees. Now, what do we do about remote workers? What if we are looking to hire a remote employee? So what does that mean? Well, According to question number 29, the labor commissioner is taking the position that any job posting that could be filled in California, either remotely or in person, has to comply with the new law. So basically what most of our clients are doing is including pay scales in every job announcement. Because if you don't, you're going to run afoul of this law. And there are um, some pretty significant penalties. Under FAQ number 36, the civil penalties can be up to $10,000 per violation. Now, that hasn't been very carefully defined, but you figure if 50 people complain about your job posting that it didn't have a pay scale or the pay scale wasn't appropriate, that's 50 times 10,000 potentially for your violation. So it's very important to understand that there is a consequence to not properly doing this. Now, the other thing to understand is the pay scale must be included in the actual posting. You can't include a link to the salary range or have a QR code um, in a paper posting, anything like that. You actually have to have that pay scale in the job posting. Now for current employees, okay, you have to provide them with a pay scale that applies to their position. So this means you've got to be able to understand, all right, what position does this person work in? If they're classified, for example, as a baker at Whole Foods, they're going to be entitled to the pay scales for all bakers. So what you might do is decide, well, I'm going to have a banker one, two, and three. So therefore, if a baker two asks for the pay scale applicable to their job, I've only got to give them the pay scale for baker twos, not for baker ones and threes. So one of the things that I think people have missed about SB 1162 when it comes to pay scales is there's more work you have to do to comply with the law in terms of what are your job categories, what are your job classifications? What are the titles? That's important because when a current employee asks you for a copy of the pay scale applicable to their position, 
you want to think strategically about what is that position going to be? What are we actually talking about in terms of a pay scale? So remember that employees who feel like you haven't done this right can go to the labor commissioner. They can also file a civil action. And again, there are penalties, of course. So we want to be very clear about your compliance in this area. Also, just a bit of historical context. Remember a couple of years ago, we got the law that said you couldn't ask applicants what their compensation was in their current or a prior position. Again, they're trying to deal, the legislature is trying to deal with pay discrepancies, pay disparities that are unfair. So if somebody has been historically underpaid, let's say because of their race or their sex, and the future employers keep making decisions based on what they are making or what they made at a prior job, we're going to perpetuate that pay disparity. So the idea is let's not do that. Let's just have an employer decide what are they going to pay? And that's what we're going to pay. Obviously, with the recognition that if you need to go outside of that pay scale on the upper end, you can do that because you found someone extraordinary, but that's going to then change your pay scale going forward. Now, the other part of SB 1162 relates to pay data reporting. And this provision applies only to employers who have 100 or more employees or there are 100 or more employees hired through labor contractors like temporary agencies. Now, remember, there's been a law in the books for a while that says if you have 100 or more employees, you have to report compensation data to what used to be called the Department of Fair Employment and Housing, now the Civil Rights Department. And you you base it on a, a snapshot period, right? So currently, or in prior years, you've had to report the number of employees by race, ethnicity, and sex. And those are divided into 10 different job titles. The number of employees in those categories whose annual earnings fall within each of the pay bands that the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics announces each year, the total number of hours worked by each employee in each pay band, and then you have to include what's called your um, North American Industry Classification System Code. Now, what SB 1162 did is it added one more category, and it says that within each job category for each combination of race, ethnicity, and sex, we have to report both the median and the mean hourly rates, okay? So remember, the median and the mean are, are going to most of the time be different numbers. The other thing SB 1162 did is change the deadline for the reports. They're now going to have to be filed by the second Wednesday of May every year. And the first one is required to be submitted on May 10th. Now, interestingly, we have from the Civil Rights Department, not from the, the Department of Industrial Relations, we have frequently asked questions on the California pay data reporting. And these do include the provisions of SB 1162. Now, on the Civil Rights Department's website, there is a whole portal for pay data reporting. And it's very helpful they have information, they've got FAQs, they've got forms, they've got sample spreadsheets you can use. A lot of really good information there. 
one of the things I want to caution you about, it, it's going to take time to put these documents together. You used to be able to just submit your federal EEO-1 form, which was required by the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission for larger employers. You used to be able to submit that in lieu of a pay data reporting form here in California. You're not able to do that anymore. So you're going to have to go through the actual California form and reporting requirements to make sure you get that on file by May 10th. So this is a huge burden. It's something that I think you need to designate someone in your organization if you're subject to the pay data reporting requirement to comply with the rule. And any of you who have 15 or more employees, you should do the same thing for the pay scales. Because as we've talked about here this morning, the pay scale rule is deceptively simple. You're thinking, oh, I'm just going to you know, put a broad range there and be done. Well, if you go through the FAQs and, and you think about the purpose of the law being pay transparency, there's going to be a lot more there that you're going to need to do. Now, we expect to get more guidance, both from the Department of Industrial Relations and from the Civil Rights Department about these requirements. So stay tuned for more information. We, we will blog also when there's something new to report. But these are significant new responsibilities for employers. And I just want to make sure that you are really aware of what kind of planning you need to do and what kinds of strategizing you need to do to make sure that you are in compliance with these rules. So again, you do want to look at Senate Bill 1162, but there is more than that because many of these laws have been on the books for a while and SB 1162 just tweaked them a bit. So we do have a blog post on this topic. We will add to that, as I mentioned, as new laws come out. But this is definitely something for you to stay on top of. I want to thank all of you for joining us here today, and I will see you next time. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to spread the word, please share it with others, post about it on social media, and or rate and review it. Of course, you can also follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter, and email us at info at Workplace Wake Up, including its guests and hosts, do not provide legal advice in this podcast. Do not act upon any of the information discussed in this podcast without consulting a licensed attorney in your jurisdiction. 